Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always a little bit of entertainment. Happy New Year. I hope you had a good start to 2022. We won't feel the weeks passing now until it is warm and sunny enough to wear shorts on the bike again. Oh, bring on those warm days. I had a very quiet Christmas and took an extended break dipping in and out of work last week, getting a few bits done and lots of plans in place before leaping headfirst back into reality this week. It was great to reduce my screen time for a bit, if only just for a few hours a day. I have been clearing out and decluttering my house over Christmas, so that has kept me out of trouble and kept me busy, along with racking up some miles on the bike. I'm forever trying to get the house decluttered. I make a great start and then run out of steam getting distracted by invites for coffee or bike rides or some other adventures. This time though, I am determined to see it through. In other personal news, I got my braces off this week. Yahoo! A little over nine months on my top teeth and they are done. Still a bit to go on the lower teeth, but the pain and hassle was totally worth it. I've been racking up the miles on the turbo the last few weeks. God bless Zwift is all I can say. I've mentioned previously that I have big plans for the bike this year and I'm both excited and a little apprehensive to take on my first solo ultra bike race in March. Both Karen Cassidy and I are going to be flying the flag for the Galway Babes at the Ballinrobe 12-hour ultra, a new event on the cycling calendar for 2022 being delivered by the team at Race Face Events in Mayo. Karen, a previous podcast guest and female solo winner of the Mondello 24, has ambitious plans for this year, including going solo at the Western Challenge in Galway in June and the Race Around Ireland Ultra in August. Inspired by her and also cajoled and convinced into entering the event by her, I'm taking the plunge into a solo race myself this year and who knows where the road may lead me. At the moment, all roads lead to Ballinrobe in March. If you fancy an early season challenge, why not come and join us? There is a six hour and 12 hour race with options for solos, pairs and teams of four to participate. More details on the Try Talking Sport website or pop me a message to find out more. A crew that know exactly where they are headed this week are the team of six extreme swimmers led by previous podcast guest and ice swimmer Jer Kennedy as they attempt to swim in skins from Ireland to Scotland this Friday. Yes, in skins from Ireland to Scotland. A historic achievement when completed as the swim from Ireland to Scotland has never previously been completed in the winter. The swim should take the team of Jer Kennedy, Dave Berry, Declan Bradshaw, Vincent Dunnigan, Colin Morris and the only female athlete Neave McCarthy around 15 hours to complete. You can follow their progress on the tracker and read more about their attempt on the Try Talking Sport website. Best of luck to the team and crew. Also taking place this weekend is Momentum 2022, hosted by George Anderson and another previous podcast guest of ours, the ultra-endurance runner Jerry Duffy. They will be joined by Maura Geary, David Mead and Jen Martin to deliver the popular annual goal-setting, mindset-building, personal development event virtually this year. Check out the details on our website. There is still time to sign up. With the new year in full swing, Gillian Mooney's nutrition event, Building Metabolism to Boost Endurance Cycling Performance, was very popular on Tuesday night and looks like a second event might be in the pipeline over the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for this if you missed the first one. It's certainly an event of interest to cyclists of all levels planning on going long in 2022 and beyond. If you fancy getting stuck into some early season triathlon, duathlon, swim, cycle or run racing this year, check out the Castle Race Series virtual events taking place from January to March. Whet your appetite for real life racing whilst you embrace the opportunity to race at home in your own time. There are 14 races to choose from across five disciplines and you can complete your race at any time throughout the race weekend. Check out the details on www.castleraceseries.com. Finally, a big shout out to everyone who won prizes across the Try Talking Sport December Fitness Challenge and the Christmas Cracker Giveaway. Huge thanks to those who sponsored prizes including Nuasan, Run Goway Bay, Lockhouta Triathlon, Hardman Events, Amphibian King, Mary Bikes, Amphibia, Dublin City Triathlon, Crooked Lake Triathlon, Top of the Morn Triathlon and Momentum. Find out who won prizes over on www.trytalkingsport.com. Right, now to introduce this week's guest, Mark Cody, 27-year-old primary school teacher from Yall in County Cork who took on the epic challenge on the 2nd of January to complete a 24-hour triathlon in support of the Irish Cancer Society. 
Whilst most of the rest of us were wondering if it was still okay to eat a selection box before lunch or if it was too early in the morning at 11am to have a Bailey's coffee, hashtag me in particular, Mark was embarking on a personal challenge to complete three hours of swimming, 12 hours of cycling and nine hours of running to give him a total of 24 hours moving time across 27 hours. Following the disappointment of the cancellation of Ironman Cork in 2021 due to COVID-19 and on the back of a cancer diagnosis received by his dad last year, Mark turned his disappointment of the race cancellation to dedication and spurred on by the opportunity to raise funds for the Cancer Society he set about training for his biggest and most difficult endurance event to date. A multiple Dublin marathon finisher he stepped into the world of triathlon and indeed long distance triathlon when the inaugural Ironman Ireland took place in Yall in 2019. Bitten by the triathlon bug he had big plans to race the event again along with his fellow tri-club members at South Coast Triathlon the following year but alas it was not meant to be. As we all know Yall and its people embraced Ironman in 2019. The spectator support of the event was simply incredible. Despite the weather, with athletes battling the conditions, capturing the hearts of the gathered crowds, the people of Yall provided the warmest of welcomes on a day where you would have been drier and warmer had you stood in the sea for an hour. This new year, it was Mark Cody who captured the hearts of the local community with this 24-hour triathlon as people came out to support his efforts. Battling horrendously wet and cold weather conditions, his mind and body, although tired, were strong to the end. Supported by a wonderful crew of family, friends, fellow tri-club members and the wider community, he completed his challenge with a brilliant smile on his face despite what he had just achieved. In this episode, we catch a glimpse of those 24 hours of swim, bike and run, getting the inside track on the training and preparation required to embark on the challenge, with details on how the day unfolded as Mark went all in to deliver a very special day, not only for himself and his family, but for the people of y'all. Now, go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. It sure is a great one. Mark Cody, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Joanne, for having me. Not so bad, no. How's the body? Uh, you're two days after your 24-hour triathlon. How has the recovery been? Yeah, the recovery has gone well. Actually, it's better than expected. Um, so it's plenty of rest and plenty of food since it all finished. But uh, yeah, legs are a little bit stiff and messy. But um, nothing that wasn't to be expected. No, better than I thought I would be now, to be honest. Tell me, what's the story? A 24-hour triathlon, what exactly did you do? Um, so I started off firstly with a um, swim. Uh, the swim was three hours. Uh, it took place in a pool just because of the time of year it was. Thanks to Club Vita and y'all um, for allowing me to use the facilities out there. They opened up a couple of hours before their usual opening times just to facilitate it. Um, so yeah, that was the start. It was a three-hour pool swim. I came out then and it was into 12 hours on the bike. And then after the bike then, and after T2, um, the run was nine hours, um, which ended up being kind of a run walk really towards the end of it. But yeah, that's what the, that's, um, what the day entailed. I suppose the whole event itself took about 27 hours. It was 24 hours of swimming, biking and running and any kind of bit of a break in between um, the bike loops or T1 or T2 were not included in the 24 hours. It really was 24 hours of movement and activity over 27 hours or so, wasn't it? It was just after nine o'clock you finished on Monday morning. It was. It was just after nine o'clock I finished the Monday morning and it started on the six o'clock on the Sunday morning. So it was just about the 27 hours. How did you come up with the plan of swimming for three hours, biking 300k and then running for nine hours like where did the breakdown come from or how did you work out what you would do the idea came to me there and um, I suppose August or September in 2021 I was just out on the bike by myself I suppose I had too much time to think and I'd, I'd be often coming up with these kind of challenges or ideas and stuff and and um, this idea of 24 hours popped into my head and I didn't really know what way I'd break it down at the time but and um, I suppose I was just taking dinner kind of usually in the Ironman races, the way the pros would finish roughly around the eight hour mark. And I kind of based it off of um, Jan Ferdino's time in Kona in 2019. And I suppose just rounding off each discipline to the nearest hour and, and multiplying it by three is, is where I came up with the, the, the three times that I was going to do each discipline. Uh, what distance is the pool in Club Vitae in y'all? It's 20 metre pool. So you swam 3k in a 20 metre pool and you only breathe from one side? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had to swap, had to swap it up all right for a few lengths just to to kind of give the neck a bit of a rest. I suppose I was kind of getting a bit a bit achy there after a couple of hours and stuff. Um, and I threw in a bit of backstroke as well, just 100 metres, maybe an hour or an hour and a half into it just to just to kind of break it up for myself as well. But 
no, I'm not great at the backstroke either. So I did about a hundred meters and, and I was kind of straight back into to the normal front crawl because that's all about that's all about I could do properly. Before we go and talk about some of the, the training and the nutrition and, and the specifics around the 24 hour challenge, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and yeah. your background in sport. Um, I'm from Yall, I'm a primary teacher in Yall, and 27 years old. I suppose background in sport, I'd have always played team sports, underage, GA, rugby, soccer. I'd have played a bit of tennis and a bit of snooker and the whole lot. And um, so I always had a big interest in all sports. I suppose really got into athletics then, into a bit of running back around 2016. Myself and my cousin Ryan um, would have done a bit of running together. Just we were kind of out casually jogging one day and decided that we'd enter the Dublin Marathon and kind of put our efforts towards that. And yeah, I've done the Dublin Marathon in the last kind of few years since then that it was on. And yeah, myself and Ryan, as I said, did it together in 2016. And then um, myself and Chloe then would have would have um, done it a couple of years together. So I was always kind of into the into the running and, and kind of like the endurance side of sports and never had really done triathlon until the Ironman was announced for y'all. And after it was announced, then um, I suppose the day the registration opened, I signed up for the Ironman and joined South Coast Triathlon Club on the same day. So um, I said, I just go all in and hope for the best and put all the efforts into training for that then for the year. So did you do the very first Ironman in you all in 2019? I did, yeah. Okay, so yeah. is it your fault then that we had the bad weather in Cork in 2019? Because I know you had biblical weather at the weekend for your 24-hour triathlon. I did, and it was actually, <laughs> I had it was a thought I had actually during the night of the run when the weather turned bad. I, I was wondering, would the weather have been okay in Ironman 2019 if I wasn't in it? I don't know, was it just something that was following me around when I tried to do long-distance triathlon? And how did you do at Ironman? Um, grand, I finished it. I suppose I was 13 hours. Um, so at the time, um, I was just happy to get around it, really. Unfortunately, there was no swim at the time. So I suppose I have a target to beat um, for when it comes around again next August, hopefully. Tell me uh, a little bit about why you chose to support the Irish Cancer Society. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, unfortunately, my father was diagnosed with cancer back in um, May of 2021 and um, he's doing grand now and stuff but um, I suppose when that happened and I'd been always training and kind of I enjoy the training so I kind of train year round anyway but when that happened I decided um, I'd like to do something I suppose just to raise funds for the Irish Cancer Society and um, unfortunately we're not the only family that are affected by cancer it's something that too many people have to face uh, um, so yeah I suppose the, the Irish Cancer Society is a charity that does great work and, and can offer support to lots of people. So and um, just put the efforts and training into trying to raise funds for them, hopefully help out people. I believe to date, as of today, you have just over €10,000 raised through your efforts. Did you ever think you were going to raise that much money? No, I didn't. Um, and I mean, kind of people were asking me, where did I set? There was a target on the GoFundMe of, of 2500 when I set up the GoFundMe, I didn't even realize you had to pick a target. That was just something that came up as an example. So I just put that in for the sake of it. So um, really, even when I hit the 2,500, I was delighted with that. Yeah, just to see the money that's in there now is is unbelievable. And I have a few kind of donation boxes around shops in y'all, which I know are, are collecting a lot as well. Like So um, yeah, no, it is unbelievable. The, the support has been great for the event. Yeah, you've gotten a lot of uh, support for the event as well, you know, from, I suppose, some of the local radio stations and the, the newspapers, there's lots of articles been written. But I think there's one thing about the people of y'all is that an event like the 24-hour challenge or Ironman, it captures the imagination of the local community. And I think the local spirit of the people of y'all was definitely out in force on Sunday and Monday. Now, I was only part of the WhatsApp group. I was only being sent the videos of the people that were out supporting you, either cycling with you or running with you. But even to just see the amount of people that were out in the rain, standing out in the rain, a bit like Ironman Cork in 2019, yeah. cheering you on was absolutely fantastic. But what is it about the people of y'all that they just get behind these yeah. types of challenges and events? The support is unbelievable. And yeah, as you said, the people of y'all, like they just they're unreal you know the support was unbelievable throughout the night and everything I didn't expect so many people to be out and to join in and and um, yeah I suppose every time I came back from the bike there was a big a big crowd gathered around by the clock eight there kind of ready to welcome us back from each kind of bike loop and yeah I didn't expect anything like that at all to be honest I suppose when I came up with this challenge I just kind of had the idea in my head that I'd be 
going out myself doing the cycle and I might pop off on the way home to change the water bottle and go out again. I had no idea the, the planning it took or, or all the work that would have to go into the background or all the support that I would need on the day. But um, yeah, I got unreal support from the people in the town. Talk us through some of that support, because I know uh, John Innes was the, the one who contacted me to kind of uh, lend some support to the event. And uh, he set up our, our chat today for the podcast. I know he was coaching you through it as well. And Laura was involved and, and Kate, his daughter, a uh, big shout out to Kate, who was yeah. hanging out of car windows, I believe, handing nutrition out to you on the day. Talk me through some of the logistics and planning that went into this event, because it wasn't just about the training that you had to do, which we'll come to. But actually, there was a lot of logistics to go into keeping you on the road, literally for the 27 hours of 24. There was. And like I completely underestimated the amount of logistics and planning that had to go into it. And I know you mentioned the NS is there. And I have to say a huge thanks to them for all the work that they put in leading up to the day and on the day. And um, yeah, I mean... I suppose, first of all, as I mentioned with the swim, um, I had to get the, the swimming pool opened two hours before their normal opening time just to facilitate the event. And um, from there on then, I mean, we had a, a motorbike um, official out in front of us on the day and we had two cars at least um, on the, the cycles during the daytime. And then we had a third car as well for support for the, the last 150k in the dark. Um, as well as that, there was kind of physios ready. There was a marquee set up in Barry's Lane and y'all. So I suppose every time I got back, I was able to get a bit of treatment and stuff like that, a bit of food. And there was spare clothes and everything put in. But I mean, I, I didn't have to carry any spare tubes or I just had my two bottles. I didn't have to carry any other food or anything like that, really. It was all in the car behind me. And even the people who were cycling with me and kind of joy, I was able to stay at the back of groups and get a nice um, spin around the back and not really have to face much of the wind. Um, and and it, like even getting food from the car, there was people that time would drop off and they'd get a bottle when mine was empty or they'd pick up a bar for me and they'd cycle back up to the group and hand it over. So it, was, it was great. And yeah, couldn't have done it at all without the support that I got on the day and, and with all the planning that was put in beforehand from everyone. And how did you pick your routes? You mentioned there you did uh, 300k on the bike. So you did two 100k loops and two 50k loops um which was 300 not 250 which i initially uh, miscalculated <laughs> but it was 300k that you did so i mean for for people who aren't familiar with you all lots of us that are involved with ironman will know about notorious windmill hill oh, i yes, presume yeah. that wasn't part of of the run or the bike course no. um, how did you pick the route uh, the two routes that you chose to do on the day? I've kind of spent a lot of my my long training cycles and um, trying out different routes. And I suppose after kind of talking and, and kind of thinking about things, I thought maybe if, if I did one long cycle to take out a big chunk of time and a big distance in the daylight, um, and then kind of I was thinking maybe keep the loops within the town when it got dark and um, and that's kind of what I had been thinking myself just really before we had decided on loops. It was at a six, five and a half or six hour training cycle there one weekend and decided to go off kind of in the direction that the 100 kilometer loop ended up being. Um, but before I got back into y'all, I kind of cut over a country road then from West Waterford and headed over towards Killa and Middleton and, and came back in. And it's kind of sent the, the plan or the, the session off to John and he was able to see where I went from the map and stuff. And um, it was John's idea then. He was just saying like that the, the route was fine and, and it was good kind of 150k route. Um, but rather than doing the whole thing in one big chunk to kind of come back into y'all after 100 kilometers and then from y'all go up to Middleton and roundabout and back for another 50 kilometers. The thinking behind it was I would be able to stop and kind of refuel or if I needed to get a, a bit of physio treatment or anything I could, but also just for the the other cyclists who are going to be supporting, maybe some people wouldn't want to have done 150 kilometers or wouldn't want to be waiting out a country road somewhere to meet us. And people were able to join in for 100 kilometers or 50 kilometers. And we kind of picked the clock eight as the focal point then where we could swap out groups and, and in with new people then for, for each distance, whatever they decided themselves. Mark, what sort of training did you do and when did you start your training really? I know you mentioned you train all year round, but how did you plan your training to do a three hour swim, 12 hours of cycling and nine hours of running. I mean, 
it's much easier to turn around and try and train for a sprint or, a, yeah. or an Ironman triathlon. You know what your end game is going to be. You're either going to be out for an hour or two or maybe be out for 10 to 17 hours. But how did you manage the training? Like what sort of training did you do? Um, well, I suppose really I started the training properly for this at the start of October. I had kind of come up with the idea beforehand, but um, I still had a couple of local races and I, I kind of, once the Ironman was cancelled, I put the Metalman triathlon in Tremor as my A race. And kind of once that was over, then I put all my focus towards training for this. Um, but yeah, like I started the training in October um, the intensity of the sessions went down and kind of the volume went up. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the sessions and, you know, I, I love doing them. I think probably from October, there must have been a swim or a gym session, I'd say every morning before work. Um, and then I'd have another session or two maybe in the evenings of the weekdays. And then kind of we had the important sessions in on the weekend. This was long run of a Friday evening and long cycle of a Saturday. And sometimes those long cycles were long brick sessions as well, where we could have a, a, a long run off the bike as well. And Sundays then there was kind of an, another gym session or a pool session and an easy swim, sometimes all three of them. Um, yeah, I suppose really the the longest, I suppose, week I did was maybe about 20, 21 hours. Um, there was kind of 17 hours of, or so of kind of swimming, biking and running. Um, and there was a big emphasis placed on strength work as well. It was something I kind of would have neglected before, kind of with the thought of if I go to the gym now, my legs would be sore and I wouldn't be able to cycle properly. But um, no, it, it really paid dividends and it was very important. And yeah, I suppose it was just such a variety of training as well. There was so much, there was so much training to be done, but I, like you're talking four different kind of sports really. And then within each swim, cycle and run, you could have maybe a couple of intervals or a long run or an easy session. So there was always kind of a difference in the sessions each week. And it was just... Um, yeah, it was just a case of getting through them and taking them off. When you say a long, a long session, what was what was a long swim, bike, or run? Um, I suppose the longest swim I did in training would have ended up being about four and a half kilometers or so. It's kind of a bit of a warm up and cool down as well, which I suppose five hundred meter maybe intervals thrown in between it. Um, long cycles would have kind of worked out at and six hours or so or there might have been kind of five a lot of five and a half hour bike rides of saturday with a bit of a run off the bike and and long runs and kind of went up to about two hours or so a lot of the training as well was was placed on practicing nutrition and deciding what would be used um on the bike and on the run and things like that and yeah i suppose yeah as i said the training kind of peaked at 21 hours and there was a lot of there was a lot of days of our side was a lot of weeks where there would have been, I suppose, 17, 17 and a half hours. Um, and yeah, I suppose outside of that as well, then there was a lot of emphasis placed on recovery in between sessions as well. So outside of those 17, 18, 19 hours or whatever, there would have also been another few hours in the week kind of dedicated to getting the legs ready to go again and, and to keep going for another week. So when did you sleep? Um, <laughs> yeah, not too often, I suppose, yeah. I know, to, you know, like being a teacher, I was lucky. I, I had time in my hands after kind of things were ready for the next day and things were corrected. I was able to, to get on with the training then again. So um, I'm lucky in that, in that position. I know there's some of the lads I train with and they'd be kind of doing shift work and stuff like that. And I don't know how they train. So I suppose I'm kind of lucky enough in that sense. You're a primary school teacher. So what class do you teach? What age are the kids? Um, I teach second class this year. So yeah, the kids would be kind of seven and eight. And what did they think of Mr. Cody going off doing this crazy triathlon event uh, during the Christmas holidays when the rest of us were sitting down drinking yeah. Baileys and, and eating turkey and eating selection boxes? Well, I'd say they probably thought I was a bit crazy, all right. Um, but no, I'd, I'd say some of them were excited and there was even a good few of them came down. I saw them, there was, there was one boy came out after the after the pool. His grandfather actually was was gone cycling with me for the first 100 kilometers. So he was out um, after I came out of the swim and there was another few pupils in the class had been down around the clock eight after I came back from some of the bike legs. So, no, they gave great support. And yeah, I'd say they were very excited as well. You briefly touched on recovery there, Mark. Um, what was your go to for recovery when you were training? My uncle is a physio. Very lucky. Um, so, Peter, I was able to go up and I was able to get a, a, a 
fair bit of treatment off him when I needed it. And as well, he was there on the day to give a bit of physio as well as my granduncle Brian. So between the two of them, they, they got me around the day, on the day. But other than that, just I suppose small tools like um, massage guns and things like that were just, just it made me able to do kind of a few bits myself to, to keep myself going. And as well as that, then um, we we're lucky enough down in Yall with the Grand Beach down there. So it was kind of as cold and all as it was, it was great to be able to get into the sea and give the legs a bit of recovery inside in the seawater as well. You mentioned nutrition and we know that when you go to do anything long distance, nutrition can either make or break your race or your event. What did you use to fuel your body for the 24 hours? Well, starting off with the swim, um, I would never really kind of have taken any gels or food swimming. So when I went into the pool, I just had two bottles. I had one with a bit of tailwind energy and just another one with a bit of electrolytes just to keep sipping on every now and again. Um, the bike, I suppose, was the main thing. Um, I would have a fierce problem with cramping and stuff like that. So I was making sure I had a lot of electrolytes in the system, making sure I kept um, the fluids up. Uh, in terms of food then, um, it was just kind of things like chocolate chip brioche buns, nutri bars, protein bars, a couple of jellies every now and again, and bananas and all. So it was just kind of, I suppose I kept it to normal food, really. I had gels kind of in the car ready to go if I needed it, but they were something I didn't want to rely on for such a long event. So it was just kind of keeping it to a lot of solid foods and, and just trying to eat every half hour on the bike and stay on top of the fluids as well with that. And for the run section then, I was lucky enough, I know, and Laura and John in a state of car out on the road all day with food and stuff. So Laura was driving around for a lot of night, for the whole night, really. And she had the, the food in the back of the car. So at that stage, I was kind of, the body was starting to kind of give up a little bit. So there was a few bottles of Lucasaid and cans of Coke thrown in there as well and jellies and bits of chocolate and just trying to revive myself. Um, but yeah, a couple of gels here and there as well for the run, just to get the sugars in. But that was really the most of it. I, I heard a story that uh, your cousin offered one square of chocolate and you laughed at them and said, seriously? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, at, yeah. At what yeah. stage was that offered? I'd say we were probably maybe 25 or 26 kilometres into the run and it was it was just after we were kind of after coming, coming through a bit of a hailstorm and that really was after sapping all the energy out of me and I'd been kind of running alongside him and he was asking me, how was I feeling? And I said, John, kind of starting to feel a bit empty now I might get a bit of a bit of chocolate I know there's a big bar in the, in the back of the car and I had I had bought the bar the night before so it was a, a nice big share size kind of a dairy milk bar that I knew I'd have and uh, he said I'll get it for you and he ran back to the car and he kind of ran back up alongside me with one squeeze after picking one square, one square off the corner of the bar so I don't know what he expected me was he only trying to give me enough energy to get another 100 meters or so I don't know what he was planning on but yeah <laughs> He went back and I got me some more after that, thank God. <laughs> um, when you finished then, it was, you know, it was early morning for all of us, but it was crazy time, uh, body clock for you. What were you craving food-wise afterwards or were you craving anything? Like, were you full up already at that stage that you just wanted like water or a cup of tea? Yeah, I just, I had a bottle of water and then I ended up kind of getting a hot chocolate or something like that after, but then... Um, in terms of actual solid foods or a proper breakfast, I just wasn't feeling anything at the time. So no, I'd say it was probably another couple of hours before I um before I did actually have a bit of food. I got a nice big bread roll from a deli there somewhere along the way. So did you get yeah. a magnificent yeah. breakfast roll or a chicken fillet roll? Oh, a chicken fillet, all right. Yeah, <laughs> chicken fillet roll. <laughs> and a can of coke. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Total athlete. Yeah. You were you were allowed that. You were allowed it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I was telling myself I, I was allowed it anyway, so. Um, did you look at uh, what sort of calories you burned or have you a clue as to what you burned and maybe what you might have taken on and, and whether there was a, a massive deficit or ha was that something that you were even considering monitoring over the course of, of the challenge? It's not something I really thought about. Somebody did ask me after, all right, so I had a look and I know um, kind of my Garmin was telling me from the, from the, the pool I was after burning about two and a half thousand calories and the bike was about ten and a half thousand calories burned and then the run was coming in at about just under seven thousand calories I think or so yeah it was something I, I never really thought of actually before it and I suppose even in the training leading up to it and um, for my nutrition like I was never kind of 
counting calories or I was, I was never trying to get myself into single digit body fat percentage or anything. It was just a case of making sure I ate healthy and I suppose ate enough to fuel the sessions and then to recover after sessions. So the numbers were something I, I wasn't really focused on a whole lot. It was just a case of making sure I was constantly getting food into the system and, and being able to keep going with that. And now that you're a couple of days post the event, have you been hungry or craving anything in particular? I suppose the, there's still a bit of a craving for chocolate and I suppose, yeah, the eating hasn't gone back too healthy yet, but a couple, couple more days and then I'll be, I'll be back eating healthy again, I suppose. But yeah, there's a bit of everything, I suppose, bits of chocolate and potatoes and the whole lot. And before the event, Mark, going into it, um, you know, say Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, the last maybe couple of hours before you went to bed on Saturday night, like were, were you nervous? Did you sleep? You know, what, what was going through your head? I was kind of lying down the dark there the night before and I was thinking I'm definitely after biting off more than I can chew. I was kind of cursing myself for what I was after getting myself into and for kind of putting it out there publicly now. So I had to go, go through it and I had no other choice. But no, luckily it, it all worked out well. But um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of nerves the night before. I suppose it, it had been a lot of excitement. And I suppose really kind of when the, the training volume went down then and there was just a lot of time to think about it, I was kind of just excited and just wanted to start it at that stage. But definitely, know, the night before then, all that just completely turned to nervousness, really. And when you started swimming then, how did you keep your mind occupied for the three hours in the pool? Because it's one thing to be out on the bike and to have a group of people around you or out on the run uh, hiding in the bushes out of the hailstones in the middle of the night. Um, but when you're in the pool, you can't talk to anybody. You only have yourself and your head. No, yeah, I suppose I was trying to just, um, I was probably just having a chat with myself. I suppose at some stage, I was, there was all sorts going on. I was probably singing songs to myself and everything there was all there was all sorts happening but um yeah it did um I found it kind of mentally challenging all right after after an hour and a half or two hours you know when I'd look at the watch and I'd see that there was so there was so long gone of the swim but I still had a good chunk left to go a lot of time I was singing songs to myself and there was all, there was all sorts of genres of music going on there I heard there was a few renditions of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer out on the bike all right at one point there was. That wasn't me, no, but there were some people behind me all right singing away. <laughs> I think I was, I was too tired at that stage for anything. <laughs> and can I ask, did you ever feel like giving up? Um, I didn't feel like giving up, no, purely because of the support and the amount of people that were there. Um, I suppose really the lowest, um, at my lowest point, I suppose it might have been half three or four o'clock in the morning and during the run. And I suppose the weather had really kind of taken all the energy from me. But as I mentioned, I'd kind of, I had the physio set up kind of in a marquee blow and I knew I just kind of had to get back there and I could get another bit of treatment or get another shot of energy if I needed it. But um, like I never actually thought of giving up, but that's kind of when I was at my lowest, definitely. And any time I was getting a bit of a massage and the eyes were closed and, and you know, I, I, didn't, I don't know if I went to sleep or I don't think I did for a couple of minutes when I was getting a bit of treatment, but there's um, some parts that definitely are still a blur and some parts I can't remember fully. I know we mentioned about the biblical weather we had for Ironman in, in 2019, but this weather that you had, Mark, I don't think anybody predicted it. It certainly wasn't showing up in any of the, the weather charts. You you had horrendous wind. I know we had wind expected, but you the, the hailstones and the rain, uh, apparently they were like massive balls of hailstones take, tearing the skin off people nearly. <laughs> they were so cold and so hard during the challenge. Yeah, um, we had kind of... The run route, I suppose, was kind of nine, 10 kilometer loops. And it was similar to the Ironman um, run route from Yarl 2019. Yeah, we had a bit of a shower in the first loop, but it was nothing too bad. And I was able to go back and I kind of just had a quick change of shoes and socks just to make sure that I kept on top of all that kind of stuff. And yeah, we headed out then for the second loop and we were kind of out around the beach and we could just hear all this noise. There was probably about seven of us out at the time. And and um, we could hear all this noise in the distance and we didn't know what it was and we didn't know if it was rain or something like that and we were still kind of dry where we were anyway and all of a sudden we could just see this white sheet of hail just kind of slowly coming towards us and we knew there was nothing we could do really we were completely out in the open and exposed and yeah it just absolutely was just belting down and we could hear it hopping off the cars and it was it was actually hurt you really like you know we were trying to get a bit of shelter under a ditch for a few seconds to see if it would pass but it was unbelievable I'd, I'd never seen any hail like that before and I suppose after it passed in it, it kind of just made things tricky even for the run the road was kind of a bit slippier and 
there was a lot of sludge and kind of frost and stuff on the road then from that point on. What was the hardest part of the whole thing, the swim, bike or run? I think the run just purely, I think I was just mentally tired as well from everything beforehand. I mean, physically the swim was okay, you know, it, like it didn't take much out of the legs or anything like that. And I was able to fuel up again before I went out on the bike and I suppose, as we mentioned, kind of John and Kate who had all the food in the Jeep behind in the bike. So I was always able to to keep on top of that there. And I kind of great groups of cyclists out keeping me kind of sheltered from the wind and bringing me around. But um, and I had great, great support on the run as well. But I just think, I suppose, the nighttime hours and I, I was kind of approaching being 24 hours awake, even at that point, and the, the body was starting to kind of go into shutdown mode a little bit. And yeah, I just had started to get cold. I suppose I mentioned I changed shoes and socks after the first loop and I did the same again after the second loop just because there was so much puddles and, and everything on the floor. But um, I made a mistake of not changing my top and I, the, I was kind of going around through the town then and I was on, I suppose we were just kind of started the third loop. We weren't long into it and all of a sudden then I started to get very cold. My chest and stuff and the teeth started chattering and all and I knew I was in trouble if I didn't change. So I went back to the support car and I knew I had left um, kind of spare clothes in there from the bike. I didn't know if there was run gear in there. I knew there was run gear down to tent, but I wasn't sure about if there would be spare um, running gear in the car. Um, but I ended up having to change my top. But all I had inside was um, a thermal bike jacket, which was fine, I suppose, when you're wearing bib tights or bib shorts because they, they come up nice and high as well. But... I suppose I put this on, I zipped it up and kind of the end of my stomach was still sticking out and all that. So you know, in fairness to um, there's a man there, Eddie was running along with me as well. He gave me a hat he had and I got another running jacket off another fella who was, who was out there as well. We kind of passed his car and he had a spare running jacket. So um, again, that just shows the support that kind of enabled me to get through it. But that definitely was the hardest, I suppose. The weather you mentioned there and just that paired with the tiredness from all the effort put in beforehand and just physically being mentally fatigued from the amount of hours I was awake, I suppose, beforehand. It just all started to come together at that point. I think, um, you know, when you do things that are, are multi-day or, or when they're after the kind of 12 o'clock at night going into the next day, the witching hour really is two o'clock to, to six. It, you know, I found yeah. that definitely with um, Karen Cassidy doing the 24-hour bike race in Mondello. Yeah. Like at two o'clock in the morning, I was still okay. But by four, I was like, oh my God, is this thing ever going to end? I needed yeah. I needed the sleep. And it's, it's I suppose it's to do with whatever circadian rhythm that your body has or, or whatever way you're able to function but definitely you know even on a night out you might be tired from well when we, when we used to be out yeah. you know <laughs> you'd yeah. be tired you'd be starting to get faded around two or three o'clock and then suddenly at six you're you're wide awake again if you were still up but uh, it, it's funny how the body kind of writes itself a little bit when you're doing that yeah. stuff and, and and I suppose it's maybe the dawn effect as well that when you start to see the sun or brightness of the day start to come with sunrise that your body starts to realize again okay we've, we've gotten through this have you any funny stories for me from the the challenge um i i know that you got a great kick out of uh, chloe your fiance when she was when you turn a corner and you'd see her that it was great to see her and she actually ran some of the event as well with you and that was it your grandmother left the christmas lights on in her house so every time you passed her house you knew she was thinking of you and um, I think I, I heard that your grand was it your granddad maybe was one of the first people down at the pool at half five on on the Sunday that there was lots of lovely stories and lots of family support and things like that. I suppose the only funny story that I have would be um, I suppose the, the, the cousin with the chocolate and um, I suppose when I had to give a quick change of clothes halfway around the town and I ended up with the cycling jacket which was nearly like a, a crop top or something on me with the, with the rest of the running gear. Um, but no, I suppose, yeah, as you mentioned, like the, the grandparents there, I, I turned into the hotel at, um, I turned into the hotel car park at, I suppose I was there just for half five myself and there was one car that was pulling in just ahead of me, there was no one else and I thought they were opening up and getting everything ready to go, but it was a grandfather, he was, he was, he was out there before myself and everything ready to watch a bit of it. And um, yeah, no, the support from, from all four grandparents was brilliant on the day as well. And I, I know you were just mentioning there as well about the, um, the night time. There was a bit of discussion as well put into it and um, put into the running route and and I suppose the the running length when I had kind of come up with a 24-hour triathlon. I think with the six o'clock swim start on the Sunday, 
John Innes, who I was getting coaching, who I'm getting coaching from, was he was trying to tell me like, you know, six o'clock on the Sunday morning to six o'clock on the Monday. Now it was there twenty four hours and everything like that. And when I was in a bad way in the run, and and I still had kind of three hours to go, I'd no one else to blame only myself. Um, yeah, he was he was trying to convince me just to to do six hours of running and leave it as the whole event being twenty four hours. But um, oh, I I think I'd be kind of. I'd be kicking myself if I kind of stopped in, even though I suppose everyone else would be kind of wouldn't mind. I'd be in my own head. I'd be thinking it was a 21 hour shuttle, and if I did that, so there was a lot of discussion back and forth beforehand about how long the run would be. So although I was in a bad way and uh, I was kind of hoping it for to end soon, I had no one to blame, only myself at that stage, really. But I guess nobody can take it away from you. You've done a 24 hour uh, triathlon. Oh, well, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the plan was swim, bike and run, I suppose. The run kind of started off as a run and then kind of went to a bit of a, a shuffle and then there was a fair bit of walking thrown in there as well just before the before the last couple of loops just to make sure i'd be able to finish it because the legs were starting to to really suffer at that stage and um, i suppose yeah the muscles were kind of they were sore as expected but and um, it was really my knees and hips and all that kind of stuff were, were really starting to give a bit of trouble so um yeah kind of gradually as the night went down the the pace of the run started to slow even though i wasn't setting any blistering pace from the start it, it kind of gradually was getting slower the more i went down and it's funny you know um sunday evening uh i think i went to bed at around half 11 so you'd have still been on the bike at that stage you went to bed at half 11 and the whatsapp group was flying all day long there was videos and texts and whoever was managing your instagram had stories up and everything so we could, I could follow your progress. It was like having our own personal tracker of you on the day, you know, and you'd be kind of like, geez, fair play to him. He's flying it or he's, he's doing yeah. really well. But I went to bed and I woke up at about four in the morning and I had my phone on airplane mode, as I always do. And I woke up at four in the morning, don't know why. And I woke up and I was like, geez, I wonder how Mark's getting on. <laughs> so I put my phone back on and there was not one message in the WhatsApp group. And I thought, oh my God, what's after happening? <laughs> Jesus, did he make it in off the bike? Oh, sweet divine, yeah. what's going on? Nothing in the WhatsApp group. And then I was like, where will I find out? I can't text somebody. So I checked your Instagram and they were still posting stories on your Instagram. So I knew you were still yeah, going no. strong. So I turned my phone back <laughs> onto air, airplane mode and went back to sleep. But just so you know that I was thinking of yeah. you. Um, <laughs> we, I was checking on you. And I, I uh, on, the, on the Monday morning, then we got up uh, to go down for a swim. And I was like, there's where's the stuff on Mark now what's happening what's happening there's nothing in the whatsapp group and then it all started coming through again I was like maybe they were just being nice to people that might have gone to bed yeah. <laughs> and didn't want yeah. to be interrupting people's sleep all night <laughs> even though I had never I've never met you you know we I've only just uh the first time we've spoken is actually uh for the show I was so fascinated by what you were doing and so um what's the word invested in it uh just because yeah. I, I wanted you to do so well that yeah. Uh, and to get it done and um, but it's funny you know you kind of get uh, invested in these things but you did so well you must be extremely proud of of what you've done ah yeah delighted now yeah I'm kind of just thrilled the way it went and I suppose there's huge credit goes to the club for all the help that they gave and as you mentioned like kind of putting updates into the whatsapp and and um, I have to give a lot of credit to Chloe as well and um, I suppose I set up the Instagram just to kind of spread the word about the event but um I wouldn't be the best kind of at using that kind of stuff so Really, she kind of took over and kind of set up all the reels and everything that are, are, are up on the page are all kind of from her. And um, yeah, she's the one who was putting up the stories and everything like that throughout the day, kind of when she wasn't running along as well. And she kind of came out on the bike or for the the second 100k loop in the dark. She was kind of driving ahead and she'd park up and take videos every now and again to keep it updated. So um, yeah, there's huge credit as well to Chloe for that. And my sister Laura as well was kind of taking a couple of videos and pictures and sending them on to her to be added up as well. So, um, yeah, it was great to, that people could have the updates on it. Had you cycled in the dark before? Never, no, no. And um, it was strange, but it, it was actually a great experience. It was something I really enjoyed. And I suppose, um, like it wasn't just myself going out to cycle in the dark to try it. It was great that there was a good group of us there, and and we had kind of, as I mentioned, we had a car in front and behind of us and there was another motorbike up ahead of the first car as well so um no it was brilliant it was it was we were all completely safe and stuff like that um but yeah no it was a brilliant experience and, and something i'd never done before yeah it's exhilarating cycling at night with a car behind you 
I've never done it in a in a group like you've done. But um, when when we did the when we were training for race around Ireland and Donegal, and when we did those races, having the car behind you and the lights, and you're flying along, and it's just it's it's amazing. It's such a, a surreal experience. I want to ask you a couple of questions before we ask some questions that have come in from some of your crew, actually. Right. Uh, so one of those is, um, if you were to do something like this again, what would you do differently? Um, after the experience of how much I kind of suffered during the run um, and I suppose the, the mental fatigue that came with it, maybe, I don't know, something maybe a bit shorter. Um, I'm not sure. But then again, I suppose I'm not long off the event now and kind of when it all kind of sinks in and settles, I might even choose to do something bigger or, or try and beat my distances at the same time or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I suppose I'd be kind of constantly watching YouTube and Instagram and I'd see people doing all these challenges and I'm sure I'll get a, another idea from something like that. And would you consider doing like a multi-day event, not necessarily the, well, maybe the 24 hours, like a, a solo endurance cycle or maybe do something like the Decaman or something that's over a couple of days. Would that be something that might down the line be in your sights? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like all, all these kind of endurance events and you'd see people doing them and I'd be just kind of you know, blown away by the effort that people kind of put in to get through them and stuff like that. And that's kind of when I'd be thinking, that I wonder if I can do it or I'd like to try something like that myself. So, um, yeah, something like the Decaman now is kind of something that would be on the radar. All right. Now, we, I have mentioned him before on the podcast. Russell Williams from Wales is coming over to Ironman Cork. He's going to do the Ironman 70.3 on the Saturday and the full distance on the Sunday. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so just to put a little idea in your head and uh, when I told him about you the other day um he said now he's my kind of guy yeah yeah <laughs> so no, maybe you might have to meet up and come up with some crazy challenge between you and one dude in Cork and one dude in, in Wales yeah George, that's a great idea and it's something that, something I wouldn't rule out down the line although I don't think the family would be too happy to hear me coming up with another challenge anytime soon we'll allow you to have a little bit of a break yeah. now before you go back uh, to training and of course you do have to train for uh, the full distance Ironman in August of uh, this year yeah. um, hard to believe it's it's 2022 already yes. um, okay so I'm just going to pop over to some of the questions that came in we had Karen Cliff asked was there any particular dietary plan that you followed uh, for the event itself um in the lead up to it i know we've spoken about what you took on during the event but maybe any particular diet um or particular foods that you chose in your training um yeah i suppose really the only thing i specifically stuck to um was a breakfast i just kind of i'd have a lot of porridge with a banana and a bit of dark chocolate every morning and maybe a multivitamin drink or something like that but apart from that as I mentioned, it was kind of just a case of making sure I eat kind of fairly healthy and, and just eat enough to, to get through the trainings and to recover. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of a breakfast I stuck to every morning while I was training in the months of training before that. And um, there was no kind of special diet or there was no kind of certain calories I was aiming to hit. When the training dialed down, I kind of kept up the eating, I suppose, to, to carb load, as you'd say. Um, but other than that, no, there was nothing kind of out of the ordinary. I was I was trying to do and Karen says that obviously huge congratulations and brilliant for all other athletes to be involved huge kudos to Mark's support team his coach family try and teammates and then Paul Mitchell uh, just passed on some congratulations Paul says Mark was inspiring he was very strong throughout especially on the first two laps of the run that we ran with him a group of I think seven of us the rain was not dissimilar to Iron Manuel something we joked about torrential rain by the leisure centre on the first lap the second lap almost at the same spot it turned into hailstones the size of small golf balls and we all had to stop and jump for cover under the trees we couldn't get over running in hailstones and y'all streets had turned into ice or slush and treacherous underfoot he showed superb endeavor and courage so that's just two of the things that have, have come in from some of your your supporters and uh, and crew now we did have somebody ask about your training plan as well but we've kind of already covered that as part of of the chat in terms of a training plan now for Ironman when do you start going back to doing some sessions have you gone for a swim bike or run yet this um week? well I'd probably go for a swim now this evening after this um I'll go for a couple of swims this week and kind of maybe a few easy spins out on the bike and a couple of short jogs I suppose maybe from next week on and after that then I suppose the focus turns back to proper training and yeah the legs should be kind of well recovered and able to go after a couple of weeks so yeah as you said the 
the focus for myself now is suppose my A race for this year is the Ironman and y'all again when it comes. But in between that then um just a few events just to kind of keep me going and smaller aims to get to. So I am signed up for the John Tracy 10 mile run in Dungarvan next month. I have an entry for uh, try a tie which has rolled over from last year and i signed up for the metal man again which is a great race i did last year so i'm looking forward to that again and um yeah hoping to do the joy hannon in ul as well so a few events to to kind of keep me ticking between now and august and yeah just keep the training interesting and, and something to aim towards in between each event a, a full schedule but the the biggest marathon of the lot you didn't mention at all the the biggest marathon the biggest event you're going to do Oh, in the, August, just before Ironman Cork, you're getting married, like literally the Tuesday before. I'm getting married the Tuesday before Ironman, yeah, so so something else to look forward to. So, yeah, it'll be, a bit, it'll be a bit of training for that, all right, I suppose. She had a few months to train for that. You'll have to hold on for the wedding celebrations till after the race. I mean, was when, when was the wedding booked just out of interest? Was it booked before you knew about Ironman Cork or after you knew about Ironman Cork being in August? Um, no, it's just booked after we knew about it being in August, but um, I'll just have one busy week, I suppose, and, and get, get everything get everything done into one week and yeah, can enjoy the <laughs> celebrations after it and after both of them. Brilliant. Well, Sharon, you'll be off school as well at the time because it's August, so you'll be grand. You'll exactly, get a few days yeah. off before you go back to school. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Congratulations again on this wonderful challenge. I can't wait to see where you go from here with the yeah. next challenge and what you do. And hopefully I will see you on the finish line of Ironman Cork in August of 2022. Thanks very much, Joanne. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests. Finally, be sure to sign up to our new e-zine featuring articles of interest, some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey. Sign up over on the website. It takes 30 seconds and I promise, I really do promise, I won't bombard your inbox with emails, just the important stuff. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.